0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for atlanta business radio brought to you by onpay built in atlanta onpay is the top rated payroll and hr software anywhere get one month free at onpay.com now here's your host
1: Hey, this is Lee Cantor. This is a very special Atlanta Business Radio because this is our GSU ENI uh, special where we spotlight some of the exciting work that's happening at GSU. Uh, Today, we have with us Aziz Hashim and Ben Lawrence, and they are uh, both uh, critical components of the franchising entrepreneurship program at GSU. Uh, Let's kick it off with Aziz. Uh, Welcome, Aziz.
2: Thank you. Nice to be here.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about your background and why it was important for you to kind of endow this professorship.
2: Sure, sure. Um, so my, you know, uh, my story goes to when I was a, a teenager um, and got a job to make a couple of extra dollars at Burger King. And this was sort of when I was 14, 15 years old. And I found myself all through high school and college working in fast food uh, and when I graduated with my degree in electrical engineering, um, I decided that uh, I would rather pursue a career in um, entrepreneurship because of what I learned in the previous few years working for various owners um, of fast food restaurants uh, in, in the area. This was in the Los Angeles um, area. So well, right from the very beginning, you know, I've had this uh, connection with the QSR and franchising industry, and so over time, as I uh, developed and grew my business, uh, I moved to Atlanta, and my very first business that I owned on my own and financed on my own was a KFC that was just a few doors down from the old um, Robinson, um, you know, uh, School of Business building on Broad Street. And so, right from the beginning, uh, my employees came from uh, GSU, my customers came from GSU, and in fact. Um, the decor that we put on the wall was a mural that was painted by a local artist that was the historical timeline of GSU. And and he had the picture of all the various presidents and chancellors and, you know, up until Carl Patton was uh, the person who was at the time um, the president. So, you know, there are deep roots there. So when GSU came, in calling um, and you know gave me a opportunity to serve on their board at the um, at Robinson School of Business, uh, it was natural that you know I accompanied that uh, opportunity with uh, a chance to perhaps uh, you know invest in GSU to promote something that had made my life and helped my family so much, and I felt that you know there there are so many people that could learn about franchising because one of the issues about franchising as we'll talk more about today is it's probably the quintessential american invention but probably one of the most least understood business models in america so you know it's probably a trillion five to two trillion dollar industry directly and indirectly probably employs franchising employees maybe you know 10 to 12 percent of the u.s population Yet the average American knows very little about the workings of franchising. So I said, you know, we need to do something about that. And GSU is the perfect place. I've got this affinity to it. Uh, you know, I, I'm really, really fond of the school. I'm going to open the store right next to it. So let's go further and invest in money and and try to create a program where people can really understand the benefits of franchising. So that's sort of the background.
1: So now when you were starting out and uh, you said, OK, I'm going to be an entrepreneur what was were you weighing it all like hey why don't I start my own mom and pop, you know, restaurant? Yeah. Um yes. was that part Absolutely. like on the whiteboard and you were like, well there I can also get into a yeah. KFC and, and then how did you kind of make that decision to ultimately yeah. go franchise? You
2: know, it, it was really fortunate in the in the way that, you know, I, I didn't have to make that choice because those few years during high school and college that was that I was working for others uh, who owned franchises Including Burger King and KFC and others, um, I learned right away that man, this is the greatest thing ever. Why would one want to risk opening, you know, under your own name, where for a very relatively very low cost, you know, the royalties uh, on a franchise business are <laughs> amongst the smallest items on your P&L, uh, and if you can rent a global name with glow you know, with huge marketing, product development, uh, name recognition. And all the other benefits. Why take the risk just for a few pennies, you know, to to start your own? So to me, the risk reward thing was sort of never um, in question. Plus, I, I think you know, to some extent, my my engineering degree uh, helped in the sense that you know I was always able to sort of weigh risks. That's what you get taught in engineering. You know, you you weigh all the risks and you figure out you know where uh, you know where the the, uh, the issues might be. And to me, it was like a no-brainer from the start, from the outset.
1: So then once you made that decision, it was a matter of just choosing the appropriate franchise for you?
2: It was. And you know, that was, again, a very fortuitous thing because I had moved to Atlanta, not really having an idea about what I was going to do. And I was walking up and down the streets of Atlanta. This is in late 1995. So right before the Olympics of 1996. And, I saw that there were no KFCs in downtown and I just cold called Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I said, you know, I'm here. I've got some experience. Um, you know, I've worked for, you know, a couple of franchisees You I know, probably oversold myself a little bit. And so I would love to because I had no access to financing or anything at the moment. I said, I would love to open one. And, you know, long story short is, you know, they said, you know, um, if you're willing to open one, they made one condition. They said, we will give you a franchise for downtown plant. If you can get a restaurant opened before the Olympics, because, you know, it's the, it's the Olympics, the whole world is going to be here. And remember, at that time, KFC was owned by um, PepsiCo. So this is before the Yum! spinoff. And PepsiCo said, you know, if you can open it before the Olympics, we'll give you, we'll give you a franchise. And of course, uh, I said, absolutely. <laughs> I had no location. I had no money. I said, I'll do it. Um, and I got them to agree to give me a single unit license and then, you know, somehow, some way I scratched and clawed it and, and got it done and got it open.
1: So now, uh, when it comes to the professorship, what was your vision of, um, what did you want that to entail? Like what was kind of the curriculum curriculum that you thought was important for GSU to be teaching its kids?
2: Sure. So one of the things I'm most proud about GSU, and I think that it has you know, immense recognition uh, now globally, you know, over the last few years, um, is it's a school where it's you know, you get a degree that you can actually use. Um, you know, you are able to go out and be productive immediately. They pride themselves of uh, GSU does in, you know, uh, imparting knowledge is actionable. And the second thing is the diversity at GSU is just incredible, which is another thing I love. Obviously I'm a, I'm a minority um, and diversity is important to me. And then more importantly um, is the fact that, you know, I believe in French entrepreneurship is a, a significant and very, very viable course of action. And uh, for a young person, because I started off right, right after college um, in doing it. So uh, I am living proof that you can become a successful and, and actually quite a significant entrepreneur using the franchise business model. So the vision was let's have at least uh, a place where with the right person, of course, we, we feel that Ben Lawrence is absolutely the right person. If there's the right professor, we can we can demonstrate the value and uh, the, the efficacy of the franchise business model and demonstrate it as you know, a, a way that young people who are motivated and have uh, the passion can really find a fulfilling business career.
1: And then um, why don't we bring Ben in for this? Ben, welcome. Hi, how you doing? Good. So you're, um, when you were approached about this professorship, was this a, a hard decision for you or was this kind of a no brainer? Yeah. I mean, I think,
0: you know, I moved from Ithaca, New York, which um, I was a professor at Cornell and I think that you know Atlanta has a lot of benefits to someone that's interested in in studying franchising. There's not a hell of a lot going on anything in New York. And if you look at a, a university like Georgia State, um, which is you know in Atlanta, it's growing. It's serving a very diverse population of students. It just seemed like a great fit, as well as having as easy support. I mean, one of the, one of the greatest honors um, in academia is to have an endowed professorship in an area in which you study and have a passion for. So um, my family and I moved down here and we, we love it here in Atlanta. And I think, you know, there's so much potential for franchising entrepreneurship at GSU. There's really no, no other school, um, uh, tier one research institution that is doing what we're doing here in, with franchising. So, um, you know, each semester I teach a class on, on franchising entrepreneurship to undergrads. Um, we're housed in the Cecil B. Day School of Hospitality in the Robinson College of Business, but it's open to all GSU students. And I really encourage all GSU students uh, to take the course. This uh, particular year, we're, we started a, um, a, a franchise executive speaker series. So we've already, last week, we heard from the COO and president of Edible Brands. Check uh, Boo. A couple of weeks, we're going to hear from the CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Charles Watson. Um, so there's just a, a wealth of knowledge here in Atlanta that helps to support uh, the stuff that I'm doing in my class, and for me to connect uh, my students with uh, executives uh, in many of the top franchise-based companies. So, you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, um, it was the best move I ever made.
1: So now, from the student standpoint, is the objective of them going through this class to hopefully encourage them to get involved as a franchisee, or is it to get employed with the franchisor? Like, what? How do you kind of um, measure success through the from the program?
0: So we have a you know a couple of goals for the class. One is just to educate students generally about franchising. So you know many of the students won't go out and become a franchisee. Uh, some of the students think they um, might want to start a franchise, which is quite a difficult thing to do. Um, uh, and then some students, uh, many of them will go work for franchise-based companies. Um, so regardless of their major, um, you know, it's basically an introduction in the class to kind of expose them to uh, a distribution model, which, as Aziz said, is is really misunderstood and when they take the class, they start to realize that pretty much every brand they see in a strip mall is franchised. So regardless if they're a, you know, a computer science student or, or a student studying marketing, um, the chances are at some point in their life, they're going to interact with a franchise-based company. Uh, and, and in the class, we really don't focus um, – re- we focus on restaurants, of course – uh, but we do expose students to healthcare franchises, trash removal franchises, pretty much any type of business uh, in the U.S. can be franchised, and um, and and the goal of the class is to kind of connect students um, to individuals in the franchise community that can help them. So I've had students get jobs in, from guest speakers in the class, um, and I think it really opens their eyes to the potential uh, of franchising in many different domains.
1: So now um, when a person is going through the program, I I would imagine that they're kind of fortunate, like you mentioned, Ben, that Atlanta is kind of a hub of franchising. People may not realize how many franchisors are based here in town. Can you talk a little bit about maybe why that is or um, how you're able to leverage all of those kind of thought leaders?
0: Sure. I think, you know, I think if you look at at U.S. cities, Atlanta has just an amazing concentration. And one of the reasons is, is because we have a, you know, one company, Work Capital, that has, you know, focus brands, inspire brands, driven brands. Um, You know, so there's over 100 franchise based companies that either owned or or have headquarters here in Atlanta. Um, You know, so so from that perspective, you have this whole ecosystem. Of individuals interested in franchising, you have franchise lawyers, and you have people that support the franchise community, um, and I think that really helps in supporting uh, the programming that I have at Georgia State. It's very easy for me, for example, to reach out to somebody and get them to engage with my students, um, and I think going forward, as you see these 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 brands become more portfolio in nature, where you know one brand will uh, one company will acquire three or four brands. Um, you know, they want to find an area where they can attract uh, great um, employees, where they can engage with um, you know other individuals in the franchising community, and also when you think about Atlanta and the airport and and the ability to uh, get a workforce out there to you know engage with your franchisee community, it's it's a lot easier. And then there's lots of really innovative stuff going on with franchising. So. Um, if we think about, you know, Aziz and, and his work uh with with companies like Franklin Junction that's like innovating in that space, um, those are some really exciting things that you know we can discuss and and and, and, and students can really engage with in, in this rich environment.
1: So Aziz, you want to take that and talk about some of the innovations that are happening in franchising right now that maybe people aren't aware of? Sure,
2: sure. I think there are a number of uh, innovations. The one that we are working on in particular is called Franklin Junction. And uh, what's neat about that is that, you know, um, restaurants and food service has been a little bit slow to adopt technology over time uh, for a variety of reasons that are probably beyond the scope of, of this um, uh, discussion. But uh, COVID and the pandemic sort of created a huge impetus for people, you know, out of necessity, right? Uh To jump into that, restaurants were forced to close down. They had to find a way to fend for themselves and make ends meet, et cetera. So it forced a lot of food service operators into uh, exploring new models. So one of the models that that we came up with, and we've actually trademarked the term host kitchen, H-O-S-T, as opposed to ghost kitchen and dark kitchens, which many people may have heard about. And what our premise is that we're sort of the – uh, the Airbnb of the restaurant world, in the sense that we go to restaurants and say, "If you have extra capacity, if you're not as busy as you would like to be, if you've got, you've already invested a lot of money in a building, in a kitchen, in staff, in training, in equipment, uh, what if we could bring you additional things that you could sell from your kitchen for delivery only? Because we don't want to confuse or." We don't want to take away from your normal guest traffic that you have, but what if we brought you a really compelling series of brands that your same employees could cook in the back, and DoorDash and other delivery companies could just pick up, and all that's done for you is without any cost on your part, because you have already paid for the equipment and the building and the, and the staff, you could have additional revenue." Much in the same way, if you've got an extra bedroom or you've got an extra house by the beach and you want to rent it through Airbnb, you already own the house. All you're doing is renting out that capacity, which you don't happen to be using uh, at this time. So in a very similar way, what Franklin Junction does is it takes uh, restaurants and other food service operators, including hotels and convenience stores, anyone really that's got any kind of a uh, kitchen equipment and saying you're a host and We're going to pair you up if you agree to work with Franklin Junction with various brands, and that way you can have extra revenue. From the concept point of view, the brand that we bring in, they're often brands that want to expand beyond their geographic location. So, for example, one of our top concept brands on our roster uh, is Nathan's famous hot dogs, for example, uh, which everyone's, you know, familiar with them and their Fourth of July hot dog eating contest and all that. You know, a very world recognized brand, publicly traded company, and we have an agreement with them. They're mostly located in the in the Northeast United States, in New York and New Jersey, and we have been able to to implement Nathan's hot dog sales, you know, across the United States by putting them in select, carefully selected host kitchen clients of ours. So Nathan's gets this expansion uh, all across the United States and restaurants that have extra capacity get to sell Nathan's under the Nathan's brand. So they get the recognition uh, of the brand, just like franchising, uh, you know, is is famous for is giving you that recognition and they create extra money. The best part of the the model that we really like is that the restaurant had to invest any money because we're using their existing kitchen, their existing capacity, and neither did Nathan's have to invest any money. They didn't have to convince uh, anyone to build a store or anything like that. They were just able to sell their proprietary products in a variety of different uh, areas. So, you know, we feel that this type of matching usage of extra capacity is wonderful, but the real innovation is also the technology behind it. Knowing which restaurants should be selling what products, uh, which we pride ourselves on. We have that proprietary algorithm that we have created to know what product would sell best in what area, uh, et cetera. So we do this back end, uh, you know, uh, matchmaking and technological and and business analytics uh, analysis uh, to help both parties maximize their revenue. So that's an example of an innovation that you know uh, is really exciting and and promises to bring a lot of more variety to the consuming public. Because now, if you're a customer in Anywhere other than New York and New Jersey, you you couldn't really think about getting Nathan's hot dogs because you'd have to go to New York or New Jersey. Well, now you could be in Cincinnati, Ohio, and you could be enjoying Nathan's hot dog products. So customer wins, restaurant operator, what we call the host, they win. The concept, in this case, Nathan's hot dog, they win. Everyone wins from this solution. So we're really excited about this project.
1: And then from the way the revenue is, it's a revenue share, then based on somebody buying whatever that thing is, it just split amongst the different um, constituents?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like an Airbnb or or an Amazon or any other digital platform makes a small, uh, very small fee for putting the match uh, together and helping uh, market and making sure that revenues increase. Um, The brand, in this case... Uh, in Nathan's would get uh, a fee that they would normally get, uh, if they were licensing the product to, uh, you know, a bricks and mortar, uh, uh, franchisee or licensee. And of course the host, uh, gets the revenue because they are cooking the food and they are selling the food. So, uh, everyone gets their proportional, uh, revenues and no one's got, you know, uh, any capex in it. So it's highly, highly incremental. Even if you do a, a moderate amount of incremental sales, if you're a restaurant, The margins are tremendous because you had no additional expense.
1: And then you're leveraging these third party delivery um, systems to help kind of facilitate. So that these restaurants, these
2: hosts, 100%, the host restaurants only contracts.
1: Right. And then the um, the hosts are are only digital. They're not, uh, there's no bricks and mortar. I mean, they're obviously bricks and mortar, but they're not, that brand is only available kind of through these third party delivery apps.
2: Yes, that's the beauty of it. This is a virtual, like entirely virtual, uh, you know, uh, concept. So, as far as a a regular customer that's that's host that's uh, patronizing that host, they would have no idea what's going on in the kitchen, and neither is it, you know, uh, does it affect their um, experience at that restaurant in any way, shape, or form. So, this is very much done, you know, using existing kitchen capacity and not to disturb um, the front of the house capacity, and does not involve. Uh, anything of that nature and you're right you know the 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 advent over the last three or four years of the grub hubs and the doordash have really accelerated this trend as well the ability to have that last mile delivery service is what makes this you know entirely possible
1: and then um the brand then could expand to hundreds of locations literally in a blink of an eye
2: Yeah, you know, our record was last year, there was one brand that we were able to open 180 units in nine days. So uh, you're talking about very, very, very rapid expansion. And the other thing that's a benefit to the concept is that, you know, it allows you to test your product in markets without having to spend millions of dollars or getting, you know, people to build traditional restaurants. You can first come in through a Franklin Junction process. See if there is customer acceptance of your product in a given area, and then you can choose if you like to open a bricks and mortar store, right? But now you're doing so with much more confidence because you've had this ability to sort of test the market uh, with your product. And think about this for international brands that want to come to the U.S., right? If you're an international brand, you know, you'd have to spend millions of dollars uh hiring a team, putting a thing together, you know yeah, buying real estate or renting property, and don't you still don't know whether your product would be accepted by the American public in this case, an uh, international brand can just do a partnership with Franklin Junction and say, "Hey, will you put us in twenty or thirty units and see if it works?" And if it works, uh, then then we can invest the time and money to do a traditional bricks-and-mortar application if we want to. Uh, We we actually believe that, you know, Franklin Junction done correctly, uh, they may never need to. And say, if we can get into hundreds of stores uh, and sell our product without having to open a single uh, bricks-and-mortar facility, uh, why should we invest that money? This is a much better way to get our product out there.
1: Well, you mentioned that the pandemic probably accelerated some of this uh, kind of thinking and this kind of innovation. Is there any other kind of um unintended consequences of the pandemic that you see that have impact franchising i would imagine because of the pandemic a lot of stores went out of business so maybe there's some real estate opportunities um out there for uh brands that are trying to expand that have kind of survived the pandemic
2: yeah for sure you know any kind of a recession any kind of a downturn even 2008 2009 resulted in you know The the unfortunate uh, event of some of the weaker players going out of business and the pandemic was no different. I think the the National Restaurant Association reported that, you know, maybe 16% of all restaurant facilities were closed down uh, permanently, uh, which is a big number. You know, it could be as much as, um, you know, 100,000. One doesn't know if that's the, the, the exact number, but you know, it's not, not a small number. And, but the thing is, you know, a lot of those, as you mentioned, will be picked up by, by other brands because you know, that infrastructure has value. It's really expensive and difficult to open a restaurant in most jurisdictions because it's a very capital intensive activity. You know, when you talk about health requirements and, you know, city requirements to, to build a restaurant, it's not easy, costs a lot of money. And once you have it, uh, you know, you uh, you really kind of benefit from a, what we call second generation spaces in our industry. That is, there was a restaurant there before, and now we're going to go back and put another restaurant in there, uh, but using much of the same infrastructure. So that is definitely, um, you know, uh, an a outcome. Another one is, you know, the customers' acceptance of curbside pickup uh, and other forms of delivery. Of course, we we saw that, but there's also a big trend towards, uh, you know, uh, contactless payment, for example, curbside pickup, for example, uh, lots of other types of uh, technology uses, which heretofore really hadn't been particularly, you know, well adopted in the uh, in the franchise space.
1: Now, uh, Ben, from your standpoint, what do you see ahead in terms of this, uh, the franchise entrepreneurship uh, class? Like, how is that evolving?
0: Well, I, you know, I think that, you know, Aziz is right, that the, the model of franchising is, um has was stagnant for quite a while, and I think that we are seeing some really innovative approaches to franchising um one 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 innovative approach is that uh franchisors are seeing that by helping their franchisees and is funding their stores in the beginning, especially for you know younger franchisees that might not have the capital uh, we're seeing some some franchisors looking for um some partnerships there where they're 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 helping those franchisees in the beginning to start up the stores so they can pick the right ones and um you know and and then you know this investment in in technology right so one thing the pandemic has shown is that some of these companies have really failed for a long time to invest in technology and that's why we've seen you know the grub hubs and the delivery companies of the the world uh, eat away at the profitability of restaurants and so um, you know, we talk a lot about that in class. You know, not just the franchise model itself, but many of these forces that are, are driving innovation uh, in the industry. Uh, Franchising is not going anywhere, right? It's it's the main form of distribution of of many products, including restaurants and, and hotel rooms in the U.S. marketplace. Uh, but there's lots of really interesting, innovative ways that um, smart uh, students that see things from different perspectives can come up with new uh, businesses uh, that help uh, businesses uh, thrive and, and, and survive during these times. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it's an exciting time for franchising. I think that the franchise model is, is, is much more suitable to uh, these issues around the pandemic than, you know, being an independent operator. And, um, you know, m- many franchise um, companies in the restaurant space have actually done better. Uh, given that they have the drive-through capacity and the technology to deliver and the infrastructure, so um, I just you know we're, we're going to continue to grow the program uh, and um, outreach to um, the community here in in Atlanta. Um, you know, hopefully, when we get past this pandemic, we're going to have a more in-person engagement uh, with the the community. Uh, but I I envision Georgia State in the future being the um, the leader in franchising research. Uh, and education um, in the world.
1: Well, congratulations on all the success. And this must be such rewarding work for both of you to be able to see uh, your life's work kind of grow in this manner and have the impact you are having on all these young people.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's people like Aziz who are paying back and helping the next generation of franchisees um, build businesses. Um, to um, climb that social ladder uh, and um, create wealth for their own families.
1: Now, if somebody wants to learn more, what's the best way to get a hold of either one of you or both of you?
0: Um, You can uh, visit my website, franchisingprof.com. I've got um, uh, research there. I've got um, connections to the class materials. Um, That's uh, franchisingprof.com.
1: Good stuff. And Aziz, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, is NRDCapital.com yeah. the best website?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just go to that website and you'll be able to find me on the, the team section and from there get into my contact
1: Good stuff. Well, thank you both for participating on the show today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank
2: you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.
0: Today's episode of Atlanta Business Radio is brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. To learn more and get your first month free, go to OnPay.com.